that song uh, brought back so many memories over the last couple of years, and uh, encouraging pastors who, uh, did you know there's pastors going through a whole lot of trials today? Uh, even your pastor that was here, I used this with him. Uh, we met several times and talked a lot on the phone and text. I said, you're going through some very difficult times. Weren't there just three in the fire originally? But there's four in there. And one of them is likened to the Son of God. Yes, one of them like the Son of God. I, I can't tell you, a pastor in Charlotte, a pastor uh, here, other, other preachers that we have prayed with over the phone the last three or four years going through some very difficult times. And I would say, there's four in there. And there's one likened to the Son of God with you in the flame. Amen. Amen. We're looking today at Philippians chapter 2. We're going to finish this chapter. We've taken things sometimes just one verse at a time and, or a couple of verses at a time. Last week, uh, stirred up all kinds of things in the church when I preached last week on no grumbling and complaining and boy there was a lot of folks talking about that message after it was over with including me and uh, I was uh, came Sunday night to, to church and it was cold in here and uh, my daughter we moved into a house in Sheraw, South Carolina from a, a double wide trailer a parsonage that we were living in next to the church and we moved into a house and we moved in there and we were renting a, a house for a few years and um, they, it was a pretty good sized house, 3,600 square feet, something like that. And I checked the, uh, the and by the way, it was $500 a month at that time. Don't, don't you wish you could get a house for $500 a month now? But uh, anyway, uh, I had checked into the electric bill and the electric bill said that the electric bill in that house had averaged $300 a month. I said, it will not happen in my house. <laughs> we moved in, painted, we moved in and in January. And so I had the heat down as low as I could get it. And my daughter, who, uh, Amy, was, uh, I don't know how old she was then, a uh, teenager maybe. And uh, when we, she came out that night, about two o'clock in the morning, and she said, Daddy, I hate to complain, but my legs are like ice. <laughs> I felt that way Sunday night here in the church, and but I wasn't going to complain because I just preached on complaining in the morning service. Where we found in verse 14 of Philippians chapter 2, it says, do all things without murmurings and disputings. Today we find ourselves looking at verses 17 through 30, the end of the chapter, and I'm calling it grace-filled team players. Grace-filled team players. When I first started out in the ministry, uh, I went to Houston, Texas, 1982. I graduated from uh, seminary. And uh, I remember that in your first messages, you were preaching messages. I told the folks in the discipleship class uh, today that when I first started out, I would say, you know, you want to be like Daniel. You want to you be like Joshua. 
until you begin to study the scriptures and you realize that it was not just Joshua, it was not Daniel, it was the God of Daniel. It was the God of Joshua that was making the difference. And in these passages of scripture that we're looking at today is three men, and I call it grace-filled team players, people who know how to work together as a team, just as God wants us to do at Crossroads Baptist Church. Matt Williams, who has been an assistant pastor, he's been, on, uh, he's been a school administrator, he's worked on staff at several different Bible colleges. Matt Williams wrote a book entitled How to Be a Team Player and Enjoy It. He also wrote a book on biblical leadership, co-authored with Ken Collier from the Wiles. But I was using it particularly, I have a copy of that book, How to Be a Team Player and Enjoy It. As we look at these three men today that we're going to look at, those three men are the Apostle Paul, Timothy, and Epaphroditus. Those three men, very different backgrounds, all of them with their own weaknesses and failures and sin and abilities and lack of abilities. And yet we look at these three men and we realize that they were all team players, a part of a team. Teams like Paul and Silas or like I was thinking of Moses and Aaron or Dr. Comfort, who will be preaching the next two Sundays. We're praying for him as he goes out to preach a, a good while he hadn't preached. He and Brother Brubaker together as a team for a long time. And I, as soon as I thought about that, and this week I was writing that down, I thought about Brother Brew leading our choir and taking a new look at an old book, taking a new look at God's Word, a song that Brother Brew had written. But they worked together as a team. You can think of other team players. Maybe you've played on ball teams. We, uh, we went uh, Friday night. One of the reasons about semi-retirement and 72 years of age after pastoring 40 years is to go back to be close to grandkids again. And we went to uh, the York High School football game uh, because our grandson, who is a senior in, in high school, marches in the York High School marching band. And uh, Northwestern, they were playing against, is from Rock Hill, and so York is in that area as well. And um, I saw two various aspects of being a team player. York High School, that we were there for, we were there for the band, can I say that? Not for the football team, but for the band. Uh, they were losing at the half 49 to nothing. So, I mean, just uh, if you want to see what team players were like, you should have watched Northwestern High School and watched how they drove down the field and how they blocked punts and went in for, foot, for touchdowns and then picked up fumbles and walked, you know, ran in for touchdowns, all that kind of thing. That was a, they were a team sport. Um, York High School didn't play like a, a team together. But we ought to be all in in whatever we're doing for the Lord as a team together. We have a common Savior, and the Lord Jesus Christ is the one that we're living for, the one that we're serving for, the one that we, uh, His love motivates us. We have a common purpose in glorifying God and making disciples, a common heart and a common soul. 
we see these three men in this text. Notice with me, beginning in verse 17, this is the Apostle Paul. He said, Yea, and if I be offered for the sacrifice and service of your faith, I joy and rejoice with you all. For the same cause also do you joy and rejoice with me. And that joying and rejoicing used throughout the four chapters of the book of Philippians is the very theme of the book. It's about joy. And even in the midst of difficult times. The Apostle Paul is in prison. He's in prison when he's writing this. And yet he says, I rejoice. Would you be rejoicing if you were in prison? I don't know that I would. But I know that that was the characteristic of his life because we found the book of Acts that we, he and Silas were put into prison. At midnight, they were singing praises to God. And the Philippian jailer, when the start of this church, that this book is written to that church at Philippi, that Philippian jailer heard him sing and came in and fell down and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? I mean, that's like saying sick him to a bulldog. What must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved in thy house. And he trusted Jesus Christ, his Savior. Several people in his family were saved. They were baptized, brought them home out of prison, brought them home and fed them like good folks do preachers. And they fed them and, and, uh, and, I mean, just, just rejoicing even though he was put in prison and beaten. And he's a character of his life. Here he is rejoicing in prison. He loved God. He Loved God's people. He loved the ministry that God had called him to. Each of us have a ministry, by the way, to serve in the local church where we are today. We ought to love God. We ought to love others. We ought to serve God and serve others. Paul loved the unsaved. He loved those that were lost as well. And he had, but he had a real love for fellow believers We find over in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, and if you'll turn with me there, we're coming back to Philippians chapter 2, but 2 Corinthians chapter 2, a verse I have marked in my Bible, it's a ministry kind of verse for those of you in the ministry, those that rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those that weep. This 2 Corinthians chapter 2 is one of those ministry verses that I have underlined in my Bible. We find in In chapter 2 and verse 4 it says, For out of much affliction and anguish of heart I wrote unto you with many tears. Notice that. With many tears. Not that you should be grieved, but that you might know the love which I have more abundantly unto you. He said, that's a guy, I love you. His love for them was a growing love, an action love, even if you couldn't be there. And we have preaching on the one another's of scripture on Sunday nights. And we said that the overarching one another of the Bible is that we might love one another, use more often than any other of the one another's of scripture in the New Testament. Jesus said, a new commandment I give unto you that you love one another as I have loved you that you also love one another. By this shall all men know that you're my disciples if you have love one to another. That is characterized in the Apostle Paul's life. He wanted his life to count for Christ. 
He wanted his count to, his life to count for eternity. You've probably heard the saying, only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. And it made that kind of difference in his life. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, we'll not turn there, but in verse 27, he says that I buffet my body, use athletic terms, 1 Corinthians chapter 9. And the last verse there of chapter 9 of 1 Corinthians, he says, but I don't want to be a castaway. I don't want to be put on the bench. I want to do whatever I do for the glory of God, that not for me, but for, for others. He, was, he used, as I said, athletic terms. He didn't want to be put on the bench or, or put on the shelf for Jesus. 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 1 says, Be ye followers of me. Several times in Paul's writings, he would be able to say, as a, as a man with weaknesses and frailties, I want you to follow me as I follow Christ. You follow me as I follow Christ. In Romans chapter 7, he says he was a man like many of us. The things we want to do, we don't end up doing. The things we say we don't want to do, we end up doing some of those. He had that battle going on just in that, even as a saved man as we have in our own life. But he was following Christ, and it says from this passage of Scripture that he was rejoicing. I put it as a rejoicing prisoner, this example team member that he is. And then he says in Philippians chapter 2, verse 17, Yea, and if I be offered upon the sacrifice and service of your faith, I joy and rejoice with you all. The term here that he uses for the sacrifice is like the priest in the Old Testament pouring out a drink offering. He said, I'm willing to be poured out for you. This is the, the sacrifice I'm willing to make for your service of the faith, being poured out. He uses that same word in Romans chapter 12 and verse 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. That living sacrifice, same word, this living sacrifice for Christ. And he was willing to take that, make that kind of sacrifice for the church there at Philippi because he loved them. He said, I joy because of that. I joy and rejoice with you all. Someone has said that believers' greatest joy comes at the point of greatest sacrifice. Greatest joy for a believer comes at the point of greatest sacrifice. It did for the Apostle Paul. Sacrificial service for Jesus that brought him the greatest joy. Now, in his life and in the lives of the other two that we'll look at, Warren Wiersbe says you're in between two passages of Scripture in the book of Philippians. Either you are Philippians chapter 1, verse 21. We've already preached on that. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Either you're Philippians 1, 21. Or your Philippians chapter 2 and verse 21, speaking of Timothy, for all seek their own, not the things which are Jesus Christ. You're either seeking your own or you're living your life for Christ. Paul lived his life for Jesus Christ. He lived for the Savior. His sacrifice brought joy, brought joy. 
That same rejoicing was true in others in the, in the New Testament. Acts chapter 5, verses 40 to 42 talks of Peter and how that he was willing, even if they were beaten, whatever happened to them, they said, now look, don't go tell anybody. And they released them. They went and told everybody. And they went away rejoicing. Went away rejoicing. Paul's example of selfless, sacrificial service produced real joy in his life is a real example for you and me. An example team player. For the same cause, he says in verse 18 of chapter 2, for the same cause also do ye joy and rejoice with me. So when he rejoiced in the midst of his sacrificial service, it caused the folks at the church at Philippi to rejoice in the midst of their sacrificial service as well. Rejoicing even during difficult times. Being willing to rejoice together. And I see that as example, grace-filled team member number one, the Apostle Paul. Secondly, we find in Philippians chapter 2, the second one of those found beginning in verse 19. He says, but I trust the Lord Jesus to send Timotheus, or that's Timothy, shortly unto you that I also may be of good comfort when I know of your state or how you're doing spiritually. You look at this text of scripture, you see a real servant team player in the, in the man Timothy. 24 times he's mentioned by the apostle Paul uh, in, in his writings about this man Timothy and their close relationship with each other. It says of him in this text, it says in verse 20, for I have no man like-minded who will naturally care for your state. In other words, he's the kind of person I need to send to you because he's concerned not about himself. He's concerned about your spiritual welfare. How are you doing spiritually? Did you know that's what we ought to be doing? We ought to be concerned about not only our own spiritual welfare, that comes first, but we ought to be concerned with the spiritual welfare of others around us. We ought to, when we say, see other people, it's not just how many grandkids have you got. I mean, I can show you pictures after the service if you want to see them. But the greatest concern ought to be how am I doing and how are you doing spiritually? And what can we do to encourage you in the things of the Lord? I see this real servant in, in Timothy himself. You know about Timothy. Let's look at 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 5. 2 Timothy 1.5. It says in 2 Timothy 1.5, it says, When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois, and thy mother Eunice, and I am persuaded in thee also. So here is Timothy. Daddy was a Greek, probably unsaved, may have been dead at this time. He was raised by his mother and grandmother. And I'll tell you, we're meeting more and more people, you know this to be true, children who are raised by grandma now. Timothy was. But Timothy was, but notice in this uh, same book, 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 15, right before we have all scriptures given by inspiration of God, in verse 15 of 2 Timothy chapter 3, it says that from a child, 
thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. So what was grandma and mama teaching? The scriptures. Timothy was raised up in the word of God. And because of that, what a difference it made in this man's life. And even when he met the apostle Paul, many believe that Paul had an opportunity to lead him to Christ. But he had this background of the scriptures already working in his heart. God doing a work through what grandma and mama was doing and teaching him the scriptures. He's mentioned in Romans chapter 16, we won't look there, but verse 21 mentions Timotheus, my work fellow. His work fellow. He's one who grew up knowing about the Bible, maybe not coming. I, I grew up in a youth group. I grew up in church, had heard the Bible, heard Bible stories, let's call it that. Nobody ever gave me the gospel till I was 20 years of age. But God was using the scriptures that I had learned as a child in my own heart to convict my own heart of sin and the Holy Spirit of God working to convict me of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. It was true in Timothy's life as well. He was raised, as I said, by his mother and grandmother. And Paul led him to Christ, discipled him. And then it says in verse chapter 2 of Philippians and, and verse 20, it says, I have no man like-minded who will naturally care for your state, for all seek their own, not the things which are Jesus Christ. This, this is right along with this mind of Christ that we've been looking at from the book of Philippians, having the mind of Christ. And it says in Philippians chapter 2, uh, earlier verses that we've already preached on, it says in verse 2 of chapter 2 of Philippians, Fulfill ye my joy that ye be like-minded. I like that. Like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vain glory, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things or his own interests, but every man also on the things or interests of others. And then we saw that verse, let this mind be in you. That same mind which was also in Christ Jesus. That was true of Timothy. He was a man who was like-minded, worked together in a team that was like-minded. The word like-minded in chapter 2, uh, verse 20 and 21, literally means of a kindred spirit. We have a kindred spirit. I, I have been with people that I had never met before. I... Uh, Met some people a couple of weeks ago. I had never met them before, but I'd heard about them. And just in a few minutes of conversation, I could tell that God had given us a kindred spirit. They knew Jesus. They wanted to live for Jesus. They loved his word. They wanted to live by the word. There was a kindred spirit. Timothy had that kind of like-minded kindred spirit. Similar soul message. Similar passion, similar goals, similar purpose, similar enthusiasm. And he said, he's the kind of man that if I send him down to you in uh, Philippi, by the way, that was his home church. Timothy was from that church. 
When I send him down there, he's going to be so concerned for you, he'll be concerned about your spiritual growth and your condition. Not his own, but about you. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 15, I used that verse here recently, probably number one of the number one verses that I use in counseling, that we no longer live unto ourselves, but unto one who died for us and rose again. 2 Corinthians 5, 15. That was true of Timothy's life. In the last days, the Bible tells us in 2 Timothy chapter 3, Timothy was writing on the inspiration of the scriptures of the Spirit of God. He says that men will be lovers of their own selves. Boy, we live in that kind of day today. Men loving their own selves above God. Here, Timothy, it says of him that he didn't love his own self first. He... He was a team player. He was interested in somebody else's, other people's spiritual growth. Harry Ironside tells the story of a, a group of Christians that were meeting together in a, in a rented building, and they didn't have any outreach emphasis at all. It was just, you know, uh, just us four and no more kind of thing, and uh, just an emphasis on keeping a, a little small group together. And they had a, one of those... Uh, signs that you put the letters on. I tell you, in churches, I have had some of the funniest things happen putting up those letters on those, on those signs. I've got some, I think I've got some from the former church that I brought in the back of my car over there. I hadn't put a, uh, you put those letters up like that and you bend them and the wind blows them around. Well, they had put up a sign on the outside of their church and it said, Jesus only. But then the winds blew and knocked some letters off and when people rode by, it said, us only. <laughs> that wasn't true of Timothy. He did not seek his own. He was interested in the spiritual welfare of other people. His focus was on himself and others growing in Christ-likeness. Not us only. Notice in Philippians chapter 2, in verse 22. But you know that the proof of him, that as a son with the Father, he has served with me in the gospel. Paul was his spiritual father. He says, as a son, you've served with me in the gospel. This is, a, this is the kind of servant team player that he was. But notice he was been put to the test because it says, you know the proof of him. He'd been put to the test and proved faithful. As a son with the father, he has served with me in the gospel. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, 2 Timothy chapter 2, I'll, uh, I'll get a little teary-eyed telling you about this story, but I had the privilege of preaching my son's ordination service at University Baptist Church at Clemson several years ago. And uh, I preached on this passage of scripture, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1, Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. I cried through most of that message myself. I, I, I can cry at the drop of a hat and sometimes I don't even need a hat. 
But Paul could say, he's not, his, not really my son, but he's my son in the faith. He was that kind of team player. A faithful servant team player who worked with the Apostle Paul. I love that. I love that. You know the proof of him that as a son with a father, he has served with me in the gospel. Notice, serve with is different than serve for. When you're in a team, even a ministry team, I love the team approach, and I love working with Pastor Capel here and the deacons that we have in this church. They're not working for the pastor. They're working with the pastor, and there is a difference. He has served with me. He has served with me in the ministry of the gospel. Paul was a faithful servant for the Lord, a team player. Josh Pate on his prayer card has 2 Corinthians 4 or 5. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. Timothy was that kind of team player, a servant team player. I tell people, I, I like people who are fat. Uh, maybe because that's what I... F-A-T, uh, fat. Men who are faithful, men who are available, and men who are teachable, F-A-T. You can use that sometime if you want to yourself. <laughs> faithful, available, and teachable. Timothy was that kind of man. He was a part of the process of discipleship that Paul knew was the mandate of Christ. For in 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 2, it says, the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. So Paul was discipling Timothy. Timothy was to disciple faithful men, and those faithful men were to disciple others also. Four spiritual generations, Timothy was a part of that. When I see this passage of Scripture, that verse is a theme verse of the ministry through which I came to Christ called the Navigators. I'm not endorsing everything that they stand for, but I tell you what, I learned about Bible study, Scripture memory, about how to lead other people to Jesus Christ. They, they, people took time to disciple me in my newfound faith in Jesus Christ. And Paul knew the importance of discipling Timothy and Timothy discipling faithful men and faithful men discipling others also. When I think about that, I think about that emphasis in the 40 years that I've been a pastor. I've met many pastors, many church leaders who know about leading somebody to Jesus Christ, but they don't know a thing about seeing that person discipled. I believe some of the discipleship comes through this pulpit right here. I believe the preaching of the, of the, of the word of God, God uses that to grow people in Jesus Christ. But I believe that people ought to take individual time spending time with other people concerned with their spiritual growth and seeing the disciple just like you do a newborn baby. Oh, I tell you, uh, these newborn babes in Jesus Christ and this church are an exciting thing to see 
It causes excitement when you see somebody coming to Jesus Christ, but you don't leave the baby on the doorstep. Somebody needs to take that person with some spiritual interest in them like Timothy did, who was not concerned about himself, but their spiritual well-being and say, look, I'd like to, to walk you along a little bit. Let me show you how to have a quiet time. Let me, let me talk to you about the word of God. Let me just be with you and help, me to, help you to learn to pray and how to tell others about Jesus Christ. That helped me in my Christian life in the beginning days of my Christian life 52 years ago got me off onto a strong start because somebody was interested in my state or my spiritual well-being and helped me to grow spiritually. Timothy was that kind of man. He was interested in the spiritual growth of others. Then the last one of these three team members is Epaphroditus. Notice the beginning in verse 25 of Philippians chapter 2. Yet I supposed it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus. Not very many people name their kid that anymore. Epaphroditus. But notice what he's called as a team player. He's called my brother, companion in labor, and fellow soldier. I love that. You're talking about a team player. He was his spiritual brother, his companion in labor, and his fellow soldier. But he said, but he's your messenger. He is taking the offering that, was, that the church at Philippi, his home church, had given for the Apostle Paul's ministry. He was taking that to him in, in prison. He got sick while he was up there. Notice it says here, it says, for he longed after you all and was full of heaviness because that you heard that he had been sick. So he got sick in that journey or while he, after he got there and was not able to return as quickly as possible. But Paul sent him back with this letter that we're reading, the book of Philippians. This is a letter, a thank you letter for the gift that they have given. And so he found himself sick. There's no mention in here about some TV evangelist trying to help him to get healed. We don't see Paul healing him either in here. For he says in verse 27 of chapter 2, For indeed he was sick, and notice how sick he was, nigh unto death. Just about died that sick. But I like the next two words, but God. But God had mercy on him, and not on him only, but also on me, lest I should have had sorrow unto sorrow. It was enough to be in prison, but it would be something else if the, the key person I've got, Epaphroditus, had died too. How that I would have been in double sorrow because of that. Little is known about this man, Epaphroditus, We'd, other than the book of Philippians, we don't know anything about him. He's not like the Apostle Paul that everybody knew something about. Oh, we expect the Apostle Paul to be a team player. I mean, look at the Apostle Paul. And then he's not like Timothy, mentioned 24 times by Paul in the New Testament. He's not that kind of man either. He's somebody that nobody knows hardly anything about. But what he was he? 
servant, grace-filled team player. Just like you and I can be, even if nobody knows about us. We can still be that kind of team player as well. His name of Epaphroditus means belonging to Aphrodite. That was a goddess of the false gods, uh, the god of love. And so belonging to Epaphroditus uh, or Aphrodite, that term, when he got saved, that word now actually means loving, love, a word that means loving. And I thought, isn't that like the gospel? It changes us, our name to being identified with a false God to now being identified with God's love. That's what the gospel can do for you and me as well. Here we find this man, Epaphrodites. He takes the gift from the church, his home church, up to Paul in prison. He gets sick. Notice verse 28 of chapter 2. It says, I sent him, therefore, the more careful that when you see him again, that ye may rejoice. Here's that word rejoice again. Paul said he's, he's, he's been real sick. But instead of keeping him here where I could use him, I'm going to send him back because I heard that you were worried about him. I like that kind of church, don't you? Concerned about somebody who's ailing. And uh, they, he said, man, we heard that Epaphroditus is sick and, and uh, wonder where he is. And so Paul sends him back a little bit early. I send him, therefore, the more careful that when you see him again, you may rejoice that I may be less sorrowful. Here's what I want you to do, he said. Verse 29, receive him. You receive him, therefore, in the Lord with all gladness and hold such in reputation. I want you to honor that man. He's risked his life, for it says in verse 30, because for the work of Christ, he was nigh unto death, not regarding his life to supply your lack of service toward me. You were not able to come. You sent an offering by him. He came. He's the one that came and offered service. And I want you to honor this man. Tonight, we're going to honor a family that's served in this church for many years. The Delt family. We appreciate their service for Jesus Christ. Amen. We appreciate them very much. And hold them in high regard. And we're, 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 they're going to be going to a place where they're going to be ministered to. And one day I believe they will be ministering again for the Lord Jesus. Just like Epaphroditus. What he went through. Paul said, look, I want you to hold him and such in reputation. This team player, Epaphrodites, my brother, he's called. Timothy's called my son. I looked at several of the list in the scriptures. Romans chapter 16, we won't look there today. Colossians chapter 4. 1 Corinthians chapter 16. At the end of those books, there are lists of, of people that Paul is thrilled that they have been co-laborers with him. Some of them are called servants. Some of them called helpers. Some of them are called fellow laborers in the gospel. 
But in these three that we've looked at today, Paul, a rejoicing prisoner. Timothy, a servant team player. And Epaphrodites, who was willing to sacrifice even to the point of almost losing his life for the service of the kingdom of God. You and I today need to be that kind of team player. You say, well, I can't. No, we can't. Paul said, I am what I am by the grace of God. I am what I am by the grace of God. And these three men, not on their own, but grace-empowered, grace-filled men were a part of a team. Paul, well-known. Timothy mentioned 24 times, as I said, Epaphrodites, other than a couple of verses, we don't know anything about him. But what I do know about him and what I know about these three are they were grace-filled team players, just like you and I need to be in the work that God has called us to here at Crossroads. Let's bow for prayer. Before we pray, let me ask this question. How many of you know for sure, heads are bowed and eyes are closed, Pastor, I, I know the Lord Jesus Christ is my Savior. I'm 100% sure that if I died today, I'd go to heaven, and I'm not ashamed of it. If you're like that, would you lift your hand up and put it right back down? Yes, I see several hands. Would you put your hands down? Some of you could not raise your hand. I appreciate your honesty today. Who would say, preacher, in the closing prayer, I don't want anybody to come to me, nobody to talk to me, but in the closing prayer, in a general sense, would you pray for me? I'm not sure that I'm saved, but I know that I need to make sure. And preacher, I want you to pray for me. If you're like that, would you raise your hand up and put it right back down? Anybody? I'm not sure that I'm saved, but I'd like for somebody to pray for me. Father, today you've seen hands, you've seen hearts. But God, I pray that you'd help us as Christians to look at these three people not just at Paul and Timothy and Epaphrodites, but the God, the God who was at work in their lives as they represented the gospel of Jesus. Help us to be that kind of servant team player at Crossroads Baptist Church. And we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.